Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Square Grouper. I'm Fox with my co-host Dave. Thank you guys for coming back. We've got a really awesome episode. I think you guys are going to learn some things, but before I say any more, let me uh, roll it on over to my homie Dave. So just to cover some quick news real quick, and then we'll get, we'll move on with some, uh, you know, a good story that a lot of us need to hear and maybe remember some things, but um, something in the news, Planet 13 bought Vitacan for $49 million. Um, so we see people betting big on rec. I mean, maybe not. It's, it's a good way to expand their footprint. We'll, we'll see what happens with planet 13. Um, every time we bring them up, nothing really good to be said. I think they're usually retailers. I don't know how they'll do with the vertical license. Probably not pretty good. I mean, probably not. I'm not hopeful, but we'll you never know. Then I just wanted to read this really funny Imagine if I did articles like this. Listen to this. In the Orlando Weekly. Liquid diamonds finally come to market in Florida's medical cannabis dispensaries. Fuck is that? The clear liquid offers an exceptionally clean, smooth vapor that's noticeably nicer to your lungs than ordinary vapes. This is by Seth Kaberski. Oh, man. I hope he has a Twitter. I'm going to bomb his ass later. Although I usually prefer concentrates that preserve the full spectrum of the plant's original properties... A shiny new product available locally from Cureleaf has recently upended my personal rankings and added a glittering new entry to my ganja lexicon. Liquid diamonds. Ganja lexicon? Who the fuck are you? I've given props in the past to Cureleaf, which is currently the fourth largest player in Florida's medical cannabis market for their socially conscious bee noble flower pre-rolls. But my previous opinion of their vape carts has been decidedly mixed. That shifted recently after I sampled Cureleaf's Liquid Diamonds, a crystal clear fluid of isolated THCA and hemp-derived terpenes, and spoke to Jesse Cater, Cureleaf's Senior Vice President of Innovation. <laughs> I'm high as fuck right now. I can't believe I didn't read this all until right now. I'm going to have to edit some of these laughs out, but... No, you're not. Keep it Senior going. Vice President of Innovation. I love when people are like... so. You know, any company has to file for a business or a corp. So does that make them corporate? And I'm like, nah, because not everyone's got HR departments. But what I really should start saying is not everyone has a senior vice president of innovation. Bro, what is innovating about Liquid Diamonds? But anyway. Um, it's just... Uh... Although the headshot on Cater's corporate bio suggests he's barely old enough to rent a car, he's actually (laughs) been involved in the cannabis industry for nearly a decade and a half. An analytical chemist by training, Cater was working in biotech sales as California's legal marijuana market was emerging and realized we had a large line of supercritical CO2 extraction and testing technology. At that time, there wasn't a lot of chemists and engineers working in cannabis. Anyway, I'm not going to hate on this guy. I don't know this guy. Um, so basically, here's what he's doing, and I'll tell you right off rip. He's throwing diamonds and terps into uh, a vessel and superheating it very similar to what uh, that MP710 bullshit was. It's very similar to that tech for what he's achieving, just from what you've told me. Like, not even looking at a picture or anything, but that would be my guess. I mean, it looks like a poop cart to me, but what do I know? But it's just funny to me to think about, like, you know, like, potheads that don't know shit or, like, they don't really care. 
you know, and they, they read this like, whoa, liquid diamonds. Yeah. You gotta get that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I don't know what a weed like, lexicon just, is, but I gotta have that. Like, and like, dude. I just want to know, like, did Seth Kabersky get a free vape cart? Was that all? Like, I hope the Orlando Weekly was like compensated. Seth Kabersky doesn't have a medical card, so I'm pretty sure there's some questions to be asked. How do you know he doesn't? I don't know. I'm just starting shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day, dude. So, like, I think Seth Kabersky oh, was man. like, trying to get in the good graces of someone and was like let's do this article but anyway yeah i'm sorry so just funny to to see like the kind of news about cannabis like come on guys like fucking liquid diamonds really curely freely like come on like it's yeah, not, no. it's, it's tone deaf bro it's not even like whatever maybe i'm just a hater maybe no, i'm no, just no, a no, cannabis right. social it, justice it, it's warrior. like somebody at that magazine looked around and was like oh you you smoke right hey write an article about whatever and just because you you know consume something it doesn't it's not something that that makes you qualified to write about it even if you are a writer does that make sense and i feel like reading or you know listening to what you just said from the words of seth um i feel like that might be more the case you know it's like maybe he you know those are just the words that he used in how he structured it he just blew it up with a lot of big stupid words uh you know to sort of like inflate the fact of the experience and who knows it could have been a paid thing it could have been, i have no idea you know with things like that i don't particularly fuck with press too much i can tell you after winning a high times cup <laughs> i'm gonna get some shit for this but whatever after winning a cup They'll come up to you and then they'll ask you if you want to be in their publication, of which you're like, yeah, you're excited. And they're like, well, and then they'll give you the prices for it. And it's pretty much priced out as if you were like buying ads, but you're buying the story. And so once that happened to me, my perception of everything from, you know, I grew up reading that magazine, dude, like literally from the time I was 13 to the time I was old enough to win it at like 27, six, something like that. Um, I can't look at it the same way. Now, their sister publication, before they bought them, Dope Magazine did an article on me I did not pay for. And it was actually really fairly thoughtful. It was right after the win, and it sort of explained why I started the company and all that, and blah, blah, blah. And that was, like, genuinely really cool. Um, So I got to see how both sides of, of, of publication work, essentially. This is pre-High Times buying out Dope Magazine. Um, but yeah, like since that experience, I take everything that the press says about cannabis with a big grain of salt. And that's why I went on that little roundabout tidbit is because when I listen to articles written like that, it's like either the editor needed a piece because it's becoming more relevant. So he asked the one stoner on his job to sort of write something up or said uh whoever the fuck uh president whatever fucking corporate schmuck came up to him and said hey we'd love for you to do a review on our product you know it, it kind of works both ways and neither would surprise me but what doesn't surprise me is the fact that this guy absolutely doesn't like no enough i wish that they would you know it's nice to hear from people that genuinely know what they're talking about and being able to explain it in a way where they can grasp it and learn something you know like you don't have to fucking turn someone into a weed nerd in you know a paragraph and a half but something that sticks 
truer to the nature of, of, of what things are actually. And, you know, being able to call things out like this was not good. This was good. When people go in through editorial experiences like that and they start explaining and comparing things and judging them, it's because they're doing it on an unbiased level for the most part, you know? The article reads like something that was like, you know, a somewhat paid promotion, I guess. That's what I'm getting at. You smoke meds. So anyway, should I do the time machine sound again or not? Yeah, how will people know that if we're fucking traveling if you don't play the fucking tidbit? We're somewhere. Where did we go this time, Dave? We went to Panama City in 1990. Panama City. All right. Lay it on me, bro. This is going to be... So, Fox, uh, kick back for a minute. This is a five-minute clip we're about to listen to. It's pretty long, guys. All right, guys. Light one up. Get ready. Do your thing. Take a listen. I'm Steve Wilson. A miracle cure called marijuana. Now that (laughs) I know it works, you know, and and it's helped to save my life. Not a cure, really. Just incredible relief from the symptoms of AIDS. Relief worth going to jail for, say these two. The relief, it only takes a couple couple hits of marijuana, and you just sit down, and I mean, within 15 minutes or so, you know, the effect is on... It's just unbelievable. They have found a drug which can help prolong their lives. No sane individual would not break the law in order to prolong their lives. Lots of people have been arrested and gone to jail for using and even growing marijuana here in Florida. Well, next up in the Florida Spotlight, I would like you to meet a couple with a story the likes of which you've probably never heard. Here in the Florida Panhandle, they have been using marijuana to relieve their pain and suffering from a fatal disease which both of them share. But the law is the law, and for this, they are criminals? Justice and right have something to do with each other, I believe. And I don't think these folks have been treated right. John Daniel is one of Panama City's most respected defense attorneys. But when his clients, Kenny and Barbara Jenks, shook his hand and left the Bay County courtroom several weeks ago, they left convicted of a serious felony. Long before they landed in court, Kenny and Barbara were victims of a string of tragic circumstances. He is a 28-year-old hemophiliac, a bleeder, someone who has needed to take extra blood products all his life. Sometimes, somewhere, some of the blood he got was tainted with the AIDS virus. And before he even found out almost two years later, he had passed the deadly disease to his young wife. For reasons doctors still don't know, she got sicker quicker and ended up in a hospital near death. He was extremely short of breath, nauseated to start with, losing weight, having night sweats, chills, could not sleep, could not eat. He was deteriorating very fast. But the doctor says, like in many such cases, side effects of the strong drugs she needed made her almost as sick as the disease. The treatment by itself was extremely uh, toxic to her, causing nauseous, vomiting, allergy, rash, more weight loss. So you can imagine that we complicated an illness by treatment. All of the doctor's other patients in that same shape have died within two years. But two years later, 
her doctor says... Barbara looks great. She's turned around favorably. I honestly felt that Barbara wouldn't be around for six months to a year. And uh, it's a miracle to see, see her doing so well at this point. It was in the midst of misery after she was finally out of the hospital that Barbara Jinx says she and her husband found their own miracle medicine. Something far more effective than anything Dr. Ortega or his colleagues at the hospital could provide. But the only treatment that seems to relieve the terrible side effects Barbara and Kenny suffer from their AIDS medication is more than unconventional. It's against the law. I'm not saying try it, but it, I mean, I smoked a marijuana cigarette and it's like it just took it all away. It took the nausea away. I was able to eat. The disease itself gives you nausea, but the medicine that you take, like the AZT and the Batamidane that they give you, is more nauseating than the disease. But if you don't take the medications, then, then you know, you've got nothing to fight the disease. I mean, you, you know, you're just going to waste away. I, I mean, used to carry a bag around with me because, she, of the, I mean, she would throw up. She'd literally have to carry the bucket in there and set it beside the couch where, because she couldn't make it. Barbara is better. On the, compared to the first day I saw Barbara, this is a new woman now. But after they started growing their own marijuana medicine inside their Panama City Beach mobile home, somehow the police found out. Armed with a warrant, Detective Tom Harris and a narcotics task force stormed in late one afternoon. Well, we found uh, the marijuana plants growing in the back bedroom. How many? Uh, I believe there were two. Two plants? That's correct. Well, it wasn't one of your bigger busts, was it? No. It would go after pot, cocaine, anything aggressively. Yes, if it's against the law, we do. Any amount? Any amount. State Attorney Jim Appleman's office took the same hard line to court and won the felony convictions after the jinx told the judge the same story they've just told you. So you're felons. Well, but he, no, the judge withheld adjudication huh? of guilt. I'm not a criminal. I'm doing something that, that is saving my life. I mean, there's a big difference yeah. there. I'm but, not a criminal. But you broke the law. We did break the law, but I mean... We, we didn't have any alternative. I mean, at that point, you, what do you do, give up? The decision was that I'm dying. Marijuana can help prolong my life. It's illegal. Should I break the law to get the marijuana I medically need? Absolutely. Any sane person in your audience would reach that decision. So that's your introduction to, to these two. Um, horrible, you know, fit, you know, the medical system failed them already, like, but he caught AIDS from his treatments, you know, didn't find out for years, gave it to his wife. I mean, just imagine that string That's of events. so fucked up. I like can't, your wife's that story dying. just, dude. Just imagine that your wife's dying and they're like, she has AIDS. And you're like, what the fuck? And then you're like, he, then they're like, you know, you gave it to her. Like, so, you know, it's crazy already. They were like fucked. And then, um, you know, I wonder how they, I mean, I can imagine, because there's a lot of people that get to that point, like when they're sick or whatever, they're like, even if they would never smoke weed or break the law, like they're just like, fuck it, I'm dying anyway. So I wonder if that's how they tried it. Or I wonder if they just hadn't smoked in years, but. Two plants, man. Can you imagine? Fuck. <sighs> Two plants. God, that story makes me so fucking Do you want to hear mad. what their sentence, do you want to hear what their sentence was though? I got another what? clip. Judge Clinton Foster was sympathetic in his sentence. 
He gave the jinx one year unsupervised probation, withheld court costs and fines, withheld adjudication of guilt, and ordered 500 hours of community service. What the fuck? discharged only by their providing care, comfort, and concern for each other. But they remain convicted of a felony, and neither has ever been arrested for anything else in their lives. If the convictions are not overturned on appeal, only the governor and the clemency board can clear their names. And a pardon is very important to them. These good people, they, uh, they don't want to die as criminals. That's why it's important. I'm not giving up. If, I mean, because I don't want to see somebody else in the same spot as what we were put in. And if it's the last thing I got to do, then fine. I'm perfectly happy at doing it. The state parole board and Governor Bob Martinez could conceivably commute Kenny and Barbara's sentence before he leaves office. Otherwise, Governor Child, what will you do? So, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people are complacent. Like, we don't really think about the future, and, and we really don't think about the past, a lot of us. But, you know, there's early people like this, um, you know, that fought or dealt with bullshit. Um, obviously, their sentence wasn't heavy. I think the community service was, like, to each other. I think it was, like, a little... Yeah. Anyway, so... A lot to say there, but let's jump back real quick to this guy. This is another gentleman, Robert Randall. So he was the first legal medical marijuana smoker in the U.S. since 1937. He successfully used a medical necessity defense when he was charged with illegal possession of cannabis to treat his glaucoma. The case was United States versus Randall was the first successful articulation of the medical necessity defense in the history of the common law. And indeed, the first case to extend the necessity defense to the crimes of possession or cultivation of marijuana. So pretty much this gentleman, because of him, they made this program, uh, the IND program. Pretty much what happened to the Jinx, since they were the first patients that went into this program, um, and they got, you know, medical cannabis through the mail, joints in like a little fucking pill bottle. Uh, They got it for a while. I think a lot of people tried to get it. Um, over the course of the program, I think they like approved a bunch of people, but never sent them anything. Uh, 43 people were approved for the program, but 28 of those people, uh, never received any cannabis. The program stopped accepting new people in 92 after public health authorities concluded there was no scientific value to it. The compassionate investigational new drug program. Yeah. New drug. That's what it was. New drug. I think it says that it's something that allows patients with serious uh, medical issues uh, to receive a regular supply of cannabis from the federal government. Um, It was very limited. I think something like 13 people only ever received it. And it was considered to be dog shit quality. And... (laughs) Uh, I remember the way that it came, it was like in an unlabeled, like, uh, Folgers type tin. Now, before they were plastic tops on these coffees, they were like actual tins. And so it's, it's very remnant to that. Or like if your grandmother ever had like those Christmas cookies and tins, it's that sort of material, but round and they would have, uh, like I think something like one gram joints or something like that rolled up or half gram joint. I can't remember, but they were just 
unfiltered fucking zig just straight like pre-rolled up like it was very interesting while the program lasted and you know it's it's it was also it was i remember at the time when those cases were brought up when i was younger it almost seemed like you know you could have you know representation point those laws out but unless you're really in the position financially to fight the fucking government it never becomes relevant in your case you know uh which is a very unfortunate thing for the time so i remember there being a lot of um animosity towards the people that were you know there was one half of people that were they had animosity not towards the people who were granted into the program necessarily but the fact that it was so limited and selective and to do so meant fighting you know putting your your freedom your name and you know your you know your your financial you know self in at risk uh, just to prove something that should have been a, you know, as much a civil right as anything else. Like, it really doesn't fucking matter. For the Jenks, marijuana has made their troubled lives tolerable. And to the doubters, they say... Do I look like a junkie? <laughs> Do I? I mean... I wish I didn't have to take the medication that I... I wish I didn't even have to smoke yeah. marijuana. It'd be nice to be... to be free of drugs and disease, but we're not. I mean, we need drugs. I can't help that. I mean... I've been taking drugs my whole life, and it hasn't made a junkie out of me. Do you ever agonize over why me, why us? <laughs> At first. <laughs> At first we did. But then, I mean, for me it was easier. I mean, I've been dealing with disease since I was six months old, so it was just like fuel to the fire. I mean, you know, it was just one more thing. He blamed himself because I had gotten it. And I don't blame him because he, you know, I love him. He's my husband. You know, these are the cards you got dealt. You just got to play them or fold, kind of. The Jenks eventually won their appeal and their criminal convictions were overturned. The public health service is not accepting any new applications into the program for marijuana prescriptions. Of course not. And is considering closing it down entirely. Regardless of what patients say. First of all, they don't make love like that anymore. Even listening to them, the few times I have in the clip, you can certainly tell that they were on a united front with the message. They were in it together. And it's just, that's insane. People would fuck your shit up for a lot less these days. But that's a whole nother subject matter. But I just have to, I'm very taken back by the jinx in their story. and. Um, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's incredibly sad what happened to them, you know, and this is pre, uh, prop 215, you know, um, so they stopped accepting new people in 92, but Barbara Jinx died in 1992 and, and then her husband died the next year. So whether they had, you know, cannabis that whole time, I think so. So, but you know, it's, it's crazy to think about early patients like that, that, you know, we're able to get some relief before they passed away. Um, but then there's hundreds of people, you know, back then. I mean, that's why, like I said earlier, like, you know, I'm I'm known to hate on shit pretty bad. But, like, 
You know, I, I do need to step back and be thankful that we have some kind of, you know, program in Florida. And I mean, I've met, you know, I've seen people hit vapes for the first time with glaucoma and like start crying because they can see. And, you know, I've, I've seen cannabis work crazy miracles. So you I've know, sometimes, seen people seizures stop, you know, like within their tracks. I've seen people not have to use, uh, EpiPens, you know, the same way that people do for reactions like that. They're, uh, very highly dosed ones could be used to stop certain types of seizures. Um, not ideal or great for the kids or anyone really, but you know, at that point, um, cannabis I've seen stop that, but on the same level, an excessive amount of concentrated cannabis, I've seen spike epilepsy too. So it's, uh, I say that now because people, now that we have the medical information that we do, you know, I think that you can treat it with a little bit more respect and know that it's not just a, you know, for things like cancer, you know, AIDS, HIV, like I, I can't, you know, which is really all the same reasons that Prop 215 were started over in California a couple of years later. Um, it helps, you know, it gives people a better quality, quality of life. Um, it is compassion of this earth. It is. It hurts my heart to hear their story, you know, but at the same time, I'm glad that we're talking about them and I'm glad that you know about them now. And I'm glad that if, you know, you're coming into cannabis as it's available to you because you can get a card or, you know, you've been to a state where it's adult use and you can just roll in with your ID, your driver's license, and grab whatever. You need to understand that the road that was paved to that is filled with a lot of lives lost, a lot of stories from individuals like this and beyond all over the country, not just in Florida, not, you know, just it, it, they're everywhere, all over the world. And we have come a really long way from you know, the state stopping a couple from go growing cannabis because it was tr helping them have a better quality of life when they were both afflicted with something we still don't have a cure for to this day. You know, all jokes aside, you know, I could drop a Magic Johnson reference, but I already did, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> The whole point is, like, truly, cannabis makes all the difference for patients like that, you know, and for a broader spectrum of patients. And it's, I am grateful, even with all the shit that I talk about, Midsville's, and, you know, just how the program's not in the best state it could be for the patients, not just personal preference, that. You know, in Florida, you still can't grow. So, can't grow, bro. you know, so that's also the point it brings me up to is like, while you can get a card and, you know, the legalities of have it, having it on you and, you know, whatever the case is, whether it's concentrates or flour or whatever is, is, is lessened much now, you know, it's no longer a felony and so on and so forth. You still can't grow. And there's a lot of people that unfortunately can't afford to be tied into a system where they have to pay hundreds of dollars up front and then, you know, pay, you know, I just encourage everyone to be able to grow their own. And so 
this story made me remember too, like some people just don't want to be considered criminals, bro. And like, I don't, you know, obviously everyone knows my standpoint on that. Like do whatever the fuck you want. But I forget, like some people just, you know, so people like this pave the way to like make it legal for you. So you don't have to be a criminal. Like you heard them say they don't want to be considered criminals or, or Barbara did, but you know, now people don't have to be, so that's cool. I mean, I hope they're getting good, you know, stuff from the dispensary. I know there's been stories of, like, tainted RSO and other stuff from the Florida market, so always dangerous, and it would just be nice if people could, you know, like these two. But we'll yeah. not cheapen this episode by talking shit about the market, as I want you guys to focus on the story you just heard and what everything we've been saying and just trying to get you to understand what started as you know just one of many stories like that to where things are now and why it's funny how there's like some suspense when you like they're like how many plants and it's just like two two like fuck <laughs> oh my god like two like, house plants we found two, two house plants two plants like i wonder what i wonder what they're growing two plants wonder what it was oh it was probably you know Magazine. Yeah, I mean, it, imagine know. the two plants. Like people think now, like oh, two plants, mobile like, home. Backseat. They probably have like probably how much you think they're harvesting off those. God bless the Jinx man, the Jinx family. That's Less that's than a crazy two story. A piece. That's a crazy story. They're probably you know. No, that's like that, I don't know, maybe like an ounce to two ounces a piece. Plus, if they were smart, they were juicing the leaf, and then they were probably using every part of the plant. You know. Other or you know than just smoking it, but I don't know. You know, I, it's just it's crazy to me the judge like had to give a sentence out like a year unsupervised probation, five hundred community hours to each other. Like, come on, bro, just throw the fucking case out. You know, but I, that that judge does say I should have had it pulled up, but he says something important during that case. He's like, until like, a, you know, legislators come together and make this like legal, like it's not legal. And then, like you said. California a few years later, yep. Florida over you know, 20 years later, mm-hmm. which is crazy, you know, so. I almost kind of want to end it on that note, just because I think it was a great story. I think hopefully you guys got to think about where we talk a little bit about the progression. We talked a little bit about how shitty sting things still are, but in a way it's like one step forward, three steps back. And it's just like a stupid weird dance. Um, you know, there are people that are in, you know, for many different cases and need to be able to, you know, you can't get fresh leaves from the dispensary, you know, nor would I ask you to because their trigoros are probably atrocious. Um, you know, you, nuts. yeah, you should I mean, be able to juice methods. your own flower and, and, you know, some people juice whole plant, you know, and that like they don't even smoke it. They just juice whole plant fresh. <laughs> THCA, run it. But you need like a fucking amazing juicer because that shit gets very sticky. You know, yeah, I imagine. Oh man, it's like heartbreaking to watch them do it too. But you know, it's medicine. So, like, well, you know, that's how you sleep at night. As a hash maker, you're like, oh God. But, you know, as a <laughs> caregiver, you're like, yeah, I know it helps. Right. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, Dave, where can they follow us? You can check us out at Square Grouper Podcast on Instagram. Um, you can follow us. Our Instagram names are in the bio. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, it's been fun kind of switching up the format for this season. We have a bunch of dope shit 
uh, in the works for as far as rolling into the next segment of what we will be doing. And we've been talking about it since the first season. So I think you guys kind of might know what it is. But yeah, uh, thanks again for listening. Um, you know, as always, fucking, I hope you guys learned something. You know, I hope you laughed. I hope uh, you think of uh, Ken and Barbara, correct? Ken and Barbara Jinx. Rest in peace. Thank you for paving the way for. Definitely. And all respect to the Jinx family. And, you know. um... And this was a case that really changed public perception. That's that's why I brought it up. Like, this was 1990 through like 91, like the trial. And uh, it changed a lot of people. Like, obviously, you see that judge kind of soften up. You know, you guys can look these videos up, you know, and see the people involved. Yeah, you guys have supercomputers in your hands. So you guys can look all this stuff up. We didn't make it up. That wasn't him in those clips. Actually, it's kind of funny to think of. <laughs> Sorry, that was my last reincarnation. No, um, stop it. But yeah, you know, it's like it. it you get the cop feels. You can everyone feels bad. It's like as they should have, you know. So it really kind of you know. Yeah, imagine things. people. Just I'll I'll leave you guys with this quick thought. Imagine for the families sitting around, whether they're like pro weed or not, you know, watching this shit happen and being upset because they're like. It's just a fucking plant, you know, and people have felt like that, like for a long time, you know, because there's just a lot of other things to worry about, you know, and people have definitely broken the, the, you know, the, the mold of the lazy stoner, you know, we've seen that now, you know, now 10 years plus with how things have moved and shaked and, you know, um, yeah, uh, just food for thought, you know. You know, these are the cards you got dealt. You just got to play them or. Fold kind of.